as I was working on this series back in the summer on the blessed are, uh, the Beatitudes, I remember getting to this Beatitude and thinking about the time it would hit in this time of year. And I was thinking, I wonder what our mind and our world will be like come November. Uh, and here we are, I was thinking about this in July. I wonder how things are going to change or are things going to be any different and what sort of disruptions or will things be better and it just struck me as I was studying on this again this week, just how God's word, as Larry says, is pretty timely. And this seventh beatitude that we're looking at today is certainly a very timely beatitude. Uh, the seventh beatitude that says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I mean, what a timely word from God's scriptures, right? If the world ever needed some peacemakers... <laughs> Man, it needs it now, doesn't it? It's a great understatement for me to say right now that in our country there is a lot of confusion and anger and distrust and stress and fear and worry and, and deep, deep divisions. And you know, any one of those things could rob us of peace. But you combine all those, you almost get a perfect storm, don't you? And the world needs a lot of peacemakers. I think to this year, we'll all be drawn to that very familiar Christmas quote that you hear so often. We'll be drawn to it even more so. Peace on earth, goodwill to all. And since most of you know God's word, uh, you know that God tells us that where there is confusion and division and strife and worry and fear and division, that that is the playground for the devil. He loves to do his work in the midst of all that. He just loves to stir all that up. And, and what we need is peace, specifically that type of peace that Jesus offers. And Jesus will tell us in a moment that it's different than the type the world gives us. And we can only be peacemakers if we have that peace from Jesus. Now, I do think that it's interesting that Jesus used the word peacemaker and not peacekeeper here, don't you? He said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Making peace and keeping peace are two different missions, aren't they? Just ask the military or a police force. And while both are very important, our primary mission is to be makers of peace and not the keepers of peace. So let me put that in an illustration about being a parent. On your best days when you're a good parent, and on those days when you're stressed out and you're a lazy parent, there's a difference in your household in the way that you make peace and keep peace. You have two children. One child's on its best behavior. The other child's on its worst behavior. And they're in the other room and they are just absolutely driving you crazy, right? Making all sorts of noise and just will not stop. And so you cry out, can't we have some peace and quiet in this house? I want the both of you to be what? Quiet. I just want us to have some peace. You absolutely, at that point then, the good child will say, Daddy, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. Just be quiet and let's have some peace in this house, right? Now, on your best day as a good parent, you would go in 
and you would correct the poor behavior and reward the good behavior, wouldn't you? And then by making peace, you've actually done the right thing and not just kept what you thought was peace. Does that make sense? Now, that can be transferred to so many parts of our life where we get so, just so stressed out about life that instead of just saying, well, what would make for the best peace here? What would be the right thing to do? We just sent to, just everybody just shut up and be quiet and let me have some peace. Now, am I the only one that's ever said that? <laughs> that lazy parent has been me at times, right? And the good parent at times as well. And I think of that, that our primary mission is to be peacekeeper, peacemakers rather, to do what would, is the right thing that makes for peace and not so much the peacekeeper. Now, this sermon's like one of those that has way too many main key scriptures that you could point to to bear this point out. And so I'm going to leave one of them out. I understand that. Probably will leave out one of your favorite ones. I've studied a lot that I've left in my office that are not coming to this lesson this morning. I, I understand that. I one time went to a concert a few years ago to one of my favorite artists and had been to his concert a couple of times before. Went, this time he decided to release a new album with new songs on it. Horrible songs, just awful songs. But he took, you know, played four of those instead of the ones I knew, right? Well, I hope, I may not play your favorite scripture today, all right? But I believe from God's word, they're important scriptures and we can get some stuff out of it. And I want to begin with the fact that we're called to be peacemakers because God our Father is the God of peace. Just think of the numerous times in the Bible when it speaks about God being the God of peace. And not only is he spoken about as being the God of peace, I want you to notice, for example, in Psalm 85, verse 10, how he connects peace with love and faithfulness and righteousness. Look at this relationship. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace do what? Kiss each other. See that relationship? The relationship between love and faithfulness, righteousness and peace. That's the, what God's offering you. We are children of God, and this is what our life is to look like, filled with love and faithfulness and righteousness and peace. Those are the characteristics. It is describing a life that's blessed by peace from the God of peace. Amen? And that's what he wants us to have. And this is what Jesus tells us, that Jesus says, look, this peace that's given to you is a gift from God. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27, here's what he said. I'm leaving with you a gift. What's that gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give as a gift, the world cannot what? Give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So Jesus is God's gift to us. Jesus gives us the gift of salvation. Jesus leaves with us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says in the context of John 14 that the gift of the Holy Spirit is to give us this gift of peace. To work in our lives so we will not be troubled or afraid. So by faith, 
we have access to the gift of peace for our what? See it? For our mind and our what? Are, are y'all with me this morning? See it? Heart. Mind and heart. It is different than the world. That's what he says. Notice, I give a gift of peace that the world cannot give. What does he mean by that? The peace that the world has depends upon outward circumstances. If everything outwardly is going okay, then we can have peace. But if there's disruption and turmoil and confusion on the outside, you can't have it. But Jesus says, the gift of peace that I give you is on the inside. See it? I give you the gift of peace for your heart and mind. So that you can have peace in your mind and heart even when the world is troubled, chaotic, distressed, disturbed, uncertain, and frightening. You can have that peace if you trust in him. So, tis so sweet to do what? To trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. That is in Jesus I can have peace in my mind and in my heart even when outwardly there's absolutely no reason to have that peace. So why is there a lack of peace in our world? We'll go to James chapter 4. And let's look how this works. James chapter 4, verse 1 and 4. So what causes the fights and quarrels among us? What causes those things? They come from your desires that battle where? Inside you. And then in verse 4, if you decide to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So the lack of peace in our life comes, first of all, from the inside, our own inner turmoil. From our own inner desires, there's a war within us that creates a lack of peace. Which means then, when we're warring with others who have that war with inside them, that now we have fighting and quarrel among others. So there's a lack of peace in our own life. There's a lack of peace among others. And then in verse 4, there's also a lack of peace with God. Why is there a lack of peace with God? Because we want to be friends of this world. We want to be loved and accepted by the world. We want to be popular in the world. We want to get along in the world. See it? And so with that, you've made yourself then what? See, an enemy of God. You have made yourself an enemy of God. Now Jesus comes, and here's the result. Jesus brings peace. He brings peace to your inner life. He brings peace with others, and he brings peace with God. Jesus is called the prince of what? The prince of peace. And he provides salvation for my sins so that I can be at peace with God. He provides the resources necessary for me by the Holy Spirit to have peace with others. And then he gives me the desire as a child of his to be a peacemaker to show others how they can have that same sort of peace. And that's what Jesus does for me. But what about peace in this world? What about peace among the nations? What about peace on this globe, this planet? Never will be in our lifetime. Never will happen until Jesus Christ reigns. There will never be peace among the people, among the nations. There will never be a lasting peace. Jesus never promised that. God never promised that. Jesus said, in this world, you will always have what? Troubles. There will always be rumors of wars and famines and drought and disease. It's never going to end until. 
until Jesus comes in the future as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the reason why there will always be turmoil and chaos and distress in the world in which we live is because it has made a friendship with, a covenant with the devil who's the father of lies and deceit and confusion and distrust and chaos and turmoil. Does that make sense? But you're not that child. You are a friend of God who through Jesus Christ has made peace with yourself, with others, with God, and you believe that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that at one day in the future, that in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, amen. That is your Lord. That is your God whom you serve. He is the peacemaker for this world. Isaiah 9 verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. It's everlasting. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now I don't know about you. But that's what Jesus is going to do in the future. I want that Jesus reigning in my heart right now. How about you? Amen? And that's why Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule where? In your heart. Remember, Jesus is the one who gives you peace in your mind and in your heart. You want it to rule in your heart. It is a word for an umpire. An umpire keeps you in the boundaries, keeps you obedient to the rules. It's important to have good lawyers and good judges and good courts, amen, in order to keep us in the boundaries and in the laws that are set forth to be the umpires in terms of dispute. In my life, Paul says, I want Jesus and his peace to be the umpire in my heart. I want Jesus to rule in my heart. To keep chaos out. To keep the turmoil out. But to understand that there is a way to live that's obedient to Jesus. And when I live according to that way, I have the rule of Christ in my heart. And where Christ rules, there is calmness, there is strength, and there is righteousness. And that's what I desire. That's what I want to do. And when I live outside those rules... And I break those boundaries, then it robs me of the peace that Jesus wants me to have in my mind and heart. Amen? And that's what he says for us to do. That peace, that umpires, that rules in my heart, specifically when you make a decision. And you're struggling with the decision. Is this the right thing to do? And you're still struggling with it. You're not sure if that's the right thing to do. You don't have a peace about it, do you? And so if you don't have a peace about it, you're probably not going to do it. But when you've prayed about it and you search the word of God about it and you've consulted other Christians about it and you come to that decision, you say that you have a peace about it because you've allowed the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Does that make sense? I think about the life of Daniel who was a godly man. His life was under great distress and turmoil and difficulty. His life was upside down. There was nothing about his circumstances that were good at all. There was no peace in those circumstances. Except in Daniel, through each and every circumstance, he was peace. He had strength. He had confidence. 
One time in Daniel 10 when it says he was a little bit fearful. He wasn't sure what was going to take place. An angel of the Lord comes to Daniel and speaks to him. And I want you to notice the description of how the angel describes Daniel. Do not be afraid. You who are what? Highly esteemed. Highly esteemed by Babylon? No. Highly esteemed by the officials of Persia? No. Highly esteemed by the Medes? No. Highly esteemed by others? Not necessarily. Who highly esteemed Daniel? God. I want to be highly esteemed like Daniel by God, don't you? Hi, why was he so highly esteemed? Because in the things that could rob him of his peace, he turned it over to God and received strength from it. And so the angel says, you're highly esteemed by God. Peace, be strong, be strong now. And Daniel said, when I heard that, I was strengthened. And I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me what? Strength. See, peace is more than just being at calm and ease and laid back. I had this friend in high school named Roach. I don't know where he got the name Roach. He couldn't remember. All his life he was called Roach. I thought because I couldn't pronounce his name, it was just easier to say Roach. But Roach was during that time in the 70s. You guys remember that? He walked around, had the long hair and the little handkerchief tied around his head. And he said, hey, Roach, how's it going? Peace, man. Peace. Peace, man. He did. Peace, man. <laughs> okay, Roach, you get it, right? But he had that, that serene tranquility about him, you know. This wasn't Daniel going around, peace, man, peace. This was strength, man, strength. Peace with God and yourself and others gives you strength and confidence, doesn't it? And this is what Angel says to Daniel. Peace, be strong, be strong now. Daniel says, I got it. I will operate in that strength. And we have Jesus who's given us this gift of peace, the rulership in our heart. This peace that's different from the world that gives peace to our minds and hearts when it doesn't make sense. This peace that can give us strength and confidence. And Jesus can give that to us because he is called the Prince of Peace. He's the ruler of peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6. Here's a description. And he, that is Jesus, will be called what? Wonderful. Is Jesus wonderful? He will be called Counselor. Is Jesus not the greatest counselor of all? He will be called the mighty God. Is there anyone stronger or mightier than Jesus, the God? He will be called the everlasting Father. He is forever and ever and ever. Amen. And because of that, when he's called the Prince of Peace, he is the ruler of peace. And he's the one who can give you this gift of peace. Please don't misunderstand. This peace that Jesus made for us and gave to us had a price. It cost. It came out of violence. It came with a sword. It came with persecution. But he made that peace for us and gave it to us as the great peacemaker 
So we'd be called sons of God and be peacemakers as well. I'd call your attention to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at three verses. Verse 1 and 2. Look at what this peace accomplished for you that Jesus gives you as the Prince of Peace. You've been justified through faith. So what do you have now? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You know what you have? By faith in Christ, the price he paid for our peace, to make peace for us, to give us this peace, you have, you are justified just as if you never sinned. You have the power of grace in your life. You have a saving faith and you can stand before the throne room of God with grace and mercy and confidence because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? It came with a price. Romans 5 verse 10. When we were God's enemy. See, when we were God's enemy. When was that? When we were friends with the world and not a friend of God. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Friendship with the world makes us enemies with God. Friendship with God makes us not at peace with the world in which we live, but we have this peace with God. We're reconciled by Christ to God through the violence and through the death of Christ on the cross. And that's why Jesus himself came, said, when I came to this world, it was not just to bring peace, but also to bring a sword. I didn't come here just to keep the peace. To appease everybody and keep everybody happy. you got to make a decision. Do you want to be a friend of the world or my friend? Do you want the peace that God will give you? Or do you still want to stay in the peace and the turmoil and the chaos that the world gives you? There's going to be a dividing line. There will be a sword that cuts through it. But Jesus says you got to make the right decision. Now I love that word peace, don't you, in the Bible? What is, what is the Hebrew word for peace? Anyone? Shah. Show what? Yeah, you know Hebrew, right? Shalom. It's peace be upon you. It's more than just have a good day or have a nice day. Shalom means the wholeness, the completeness of God in your life. And this is a word that Jesus used so often to his disciples. I give you shalom. May the shalom of God be upon you. Go to the resurrection in John chapter 20. The disciples are huddled in fear, it says. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus comes through the locked doors. And he stands among them and he says, Shalom be with you. The wholeness, the completeness of God be upon you. And this is what he says to them. And notice they're in their fear. They're afraid of the violence. They're afraid of those leaders. They're afraid they're being hunted down. And Jesus appears as the Prince of Peace. And he tells them, peace be upon you. And they're strengthened by it. In fact, the very next verse says they were overjoyed. Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with, up, be with you. And the Father, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, those disciples spent the rest of their life in circumstances turmoil, persecution, and most of them lost their lives for the cause of Christ. But you know the one thing that they did not lose? They never lost their peace in Christ. They never, their minds and their hearts were guarded by the peace of Christ as they fulfilled their mission. Just as Jesus says, the Father was with me, 
he will be with you. It's a supernatural peace. Look Philippians 4 verse 7. I love this verse. Philippians 4 verse 7. God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of conflict. But it guards and keeps your hearts and minds safe in those times. In Jesus Christ. So that you don't give up. So that you don't grow in despair and get so discouraged that you give up. In what God's wanting to do in your life. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called children of God. And that's what he wants us to be. So let, let me close by giving some practical application of how you can be that peacemaker. I want to use the word peace itself. And from each letter of that word, show you some ways in which we can be peacemakers. Let the letter P stand for pursue. For pursuing. The Bible says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and do what? You've got to pursue it. Be intentional about it. Let the letter E stand for effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the what? Through the bond of peace. We can't be a peacemaker to the world if we're not going to be peacemakers inside the church. Amen? So we got to be peacemakers among ourselves, not just peacekeepers. So we can be peacemakers out there in the world. Make every effort to do that. Let the letter A stand for awareness. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So instead of focusing and being aware of the troubles we're going through and all the turmoil, let's be aware that we have a Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who can guard our hearts and minds in that difficult time. Have that awareness that God is in control. Now let the letter C stand for crush. Now that sounds strange. To, how can you have the word crush with peace? Right? So I found this verse in Romans 16. It's one of my favorites. Now watch... Let's read it slowly so you understand what it's talking about in terms of crush. Paul says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Now, here it is. The God of peace will soon do what? Crush Satan under whose feet? <coughs> Your feet. When you are a peacemaker, when you operate with your heart and mind guarded by Jesus Christ, the gift of peace that he has, you crush the purposes of the devil. The devil wants to take the fear, the turmoil, the division, and the worry, get in there in his playground and just stir it all up even more, right? When you choose not to play, when you choose to be the peacemaker, you have crushed under your feet the plans of the devil for that moment. Isn't that wonderful? So the next time, say, I don't know if I can be peaceful. Sure you can, because you're going to crush the devil. I don't know if I can make peace with that person. Be, be a peacemaker in that situation. Sure you can, because you've just stopped the plans of the devil in its tracks. Amen? So I want to pursue it, make every effort, have an awareness that I can have the peace of Christ in my mind and heart, and I want to crush the devil in this. And that final letter is everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge. Now, very key word in everyone is that first word in that passage. See it? It's a two-letter word that's significant in that passage. And I'm thankful that Paul put that in this passage, aren't you? That two-little word that makes all the difference in the world. If. If it's what? Possible. As far as it does what? Depends on you. You can make the peace, but you may not be able to keep the peace. You can do the things to pursue the peace and make the effort to maintain the peace and have an awareness that God wants peace and you want to crush that peace in there. As far as it depends on you, you're going to live at peace with everyone. That's going to be your attitude. If possible. See it? Now, that's not, that's not a way out. Say, well, I don't think it's possible that person. You're doing everything that depends. Are, are you with me on that? Are y'all so quiet this morning? Y'all stay in your homes, not seeing anybody. You're afraid. Of, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is so powerful, this terms of peace here. So before you think that, yeah, I'll do all that, and I'll have peace with my neighbor and my husband, my friend, and, and peace with that enemy, and that peace with that Democrat, that Republican, I'll get it all worked out. <laughs> Notice what it says in Psalm 120, verse 17. I'm for peace, but when I speak, <laughs> they're for what? See, well, not everybody wants peace. Not everybody wants peace. They want to be at war, which makes it difficult. Peace is not always possible. I think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a sinless human being who was the Prince of Peace. He lived his life in full submission to God, and yet it made him the largest target of evil ever in this world, right? So all the friends of the enemy, all the demonic forces came against this perfect, sinless, peaceful ruler to bring him down and to destroy him. And Jesus tells us if the world was not at peace with him, that they will not be at peace with us as his followers either. They don't want peace, but they want to make war against what is righteous. And you need to understand that. You pursue it. You make the effort. You have an awareness. You want to crush it. And you're going to do everything you can with everyone, as far as it depends on you, to be at peace. But you understand. And that's that eighth beatitude, as you look at it, that blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you look at all this and you think, the righteous life that's the salt of the earth and the light that shines on the hill, where Jesus says we're not to lose our saltiness, we're not to cover up that light. Jesus says, if you live out these beatitudes, if you're poor in spirit, if you're mourning, you'll be comforted. If you're meek, you'll inherit the earth. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. If you're merciful, you'll obtain mercy. If you're a peacemaker, you'll be called children of God. But Jesus says, if you live that way, you will be persecuted. The world will go to war against you, and you must be prepared. I think it's interesting here that the very last beatitude is blessed are the peacemakers. And in stark contrast comes this blessed are the what? Persecuted. The very first one says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last one says blessed are the persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? But blessed are the peacemakers, 
And then the last one, blessed are those who persecuted, for theirs was the kingdom of heaven. Our goal is not just to be loved and accepted. Living this way by the attitude is not just going to make you such a good and wonderful person that everybody wants to be around you. In fact, Jesus says, if you really live this out, you're becoming more and more transformed like me, and you'll find yourself being persecuted. But don't be discouraged. Don't get despaired, because I'm with you, and yours will be the kingdom of heaven. Well, I hope this lesson has been an encouragement to you. I mean, this is great in terms of what it means to be a peacemaker. I hope this entire series has been helpful to you as well. I'd like for us all to stand together as we close out this lesson this morning. Would you please stand if you're able to? As we start this new week together, I pray that God will use the scriptures that we looked at today and the ones that came to your mind that were your favorite ones I did not use to strengthen your hope and increase your faith in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray as we start this new week together that the God of peace will give you peace, a peace that passes all understanding, that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we'll give you the peace that you need for whatever you're going to face this week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, you're online, please write to the email address on the screen or contact your shepherd group leader. If you're here this morning and you need to respond, you can make your way to the front bench or meet with one of our elders after worship. We invite you to make that decision as we now sing this next song.